It's Monday the 25th of November 2019. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. As occasionally happens on this programme, we only have one guest this week, but it is someone with an impressively wide-ranging professional background and areas of expertise. Nicole Lee Mosti is Project Manager for Community Development, working with Social Cohesion Projects for the city of Reykjavik. She was recently elected Chair of... Is it women or W-O-M-E-N? We just say women. Yeah, (laughs) women in Iceland. Uh, She's a prominent equality and democracy activist and was the first person of foreign origin directly elected to Althingi and the first and so far only person of foreign origin to sit as speaker in Althingi, holding the post of Parliament's fourth deputy speaker. So welcome to you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. This week, once again, uh, has been dominated by developments in the Samheri, uh, Namibian fishing scandal, including calls for an independent inquiry from within Iceland and also from the Namibian president. Protesters took to the streets uh, this Saturday to call for the fisheries minister's resignation and for the implementation of the new constitution that voters in Iceland approved seven years ago. The Independence Party dwarfs all other parties when it comes to donations from companies and other registered organisations, with the biggest donor to all political parties overall being Seamin, the telecommunications company. In other news, Reykjavik Energy has announced plans to double the scale of the CarbFix carbon sequestration project, as well as researching into using it for heavy industry emissions and even possibly importing carbon from overseas. One year has passed since the famous cloister scandal broke, um, and that has brought with it discussion about what has and what has not changed in the last 12 months. Iceland will play Romania in March for one of the four precious remaining spots in men's football's Euro 2020 next summer. And the drug Spice has been found for the first time in Iceland outside of the prison system, when two teenagers were discovered with it in their vapes. So where would you like to start? Yeah, exactly. Where would I like to start? <laughs> I guess we should probably take Samheria. That's uh, the biggest. It is. It's uh, and, and I think it's the most important. I think it's something we really need to um, not only discuss, uh, we, we need to discuss about the, the ramifications that have always been there and they just sort of, they just sort of always get put to sleep. You know, this uh, the roots of this. You know, the thing that really gets to my core is that you know the dates that start showing up are 2011. That's the time here when our uh, the administrator of our hospital, he was cutting into the bone to make cuts. When society here, we were we were you know education, healthcare, all our, our roads, everything went lack. Everyone was trying to find ways to keep people employed, to keep services, to keep people who weren't employed up and running. And um, we have this, uh, the masters of industry here out in the world making their own way for the most of their own selves. And Same cheating, time, cheating two countries out, out of tax. And when you put it in a political context, then you have this <clears> huge... Um, you know, one of, one of the things that happened is that um, the cry for us going into ESB, you know, it had a lot to do with it, with a collapse. We, we realized we needed oversight. We needed oversight that, you know, not really someone to govern us, but someone to tell us to take our hand out of the cookie jar every once in a while so we didn't have another bank collapse. Mm-hmm. The and, powers uh, that be did what they did, and we will not have ESB. We will not have outside oversight. 
That's the European Union. Yeah. yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, the European Union. Uh, and these things just keep coming up. And uh, I just kind of felt it in my bones that there was, you know, something in the making. It's been quite a while since, it's been two or three years since Panama. Something was coming. And when this came, I think this is just the beginning of, of something even bigger. And it needs to be looked at from the outside. And the people on the inside need to genuinely listen if we want to continue to be a democracy. What are the the core issues at the very heart of this for you? Is it is it um, political you know the democracy is it is it the fishing industry the power of that is it the actions of Icelandic businesses overseas what is the biggest issue for you we should be we should be <clears throat> proud of the fishing industry that we have here because in many ways it was it was built up to be sustainable but the manipulation of the industry from the inside with political ties and and I don't care what I don't care what anyone says you can feel it you can feel it when we talk about you know the new constitution you can feel the political powers that are protecting something that the rest of us aren't allowed to know about and and it's just it's not sad it's embarrassing it's embarrassing that we could build up a, a sustainable fishing industry that uh could be manipulated in a way to go out into other countries and and sell it. Mm. You know, it, it makes me wonder about some of the other things that we, you know, <clears throat> that we would like to sell the ideas behind. For example, equality, um, uh, uh, environmental. I mean, that's one of the other topics we'd like to talk today about. I mean, so we build up this this knowledge and these these systems that should be sustainable and and should. Uh, you know, drive society as to continue developing and, and uh, from the outside appear to be quite um, liberal, forward-thinking. But then on the inside, they're corrupt and rotten, and that's no good. Mm. When it comes to gender equality, for example, mm. is that something that's being pushed through genuinely uh, despite the powers that be, or is it is it... Do you know what I mean? Because we talk we talk about mm-hmm. clean business and, and anti-corruption, and Iceland is very much right. vocal about that as well. But that isn't happening. Right. Is the gender equality side, is that real? <laughs> is it real? <laughs> well, it's as real as it can be, of course. And, 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 and ambitions are, are high. But, uh, I mean, if, if you talk to anyone who's really fighting the fight for general equality, you know, for equality... And gender. Um, let's look at the women who are left behind in the gender equality. Let's look at women with disabilities. Let's look at women of foreign origin. I mean, I'm just going to throw out this morning I was referred to as Thesse Polski, this Polish one at work. I worked there for two years. I'm very uh, visible in what I do there and in society. I just grace the cover of a magazine. I would think the people I work with know who I am and where I'm from, but no, I was just this Polish one. So, you know, equality, where where are we? Are we, you know, I, I, I don't want to say that we're not, you know, making leaps and bounds, but uh, I think we need to make sure it's real genuine that it's there's oversight and that it continues to happen and that we do have women on the boards and that we don't have entire low-paying job mm-hmm. you know if we look at uh, for example preschools um, a person who's very 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 uh, visible in politi- politics right now Solveig from Eplink she is sort of um, what would you say she's the shepherd mm-hmm. for the fact that we do have low-paying complete levels of low-paying jobs that are filled with women. And uh, that's not necessarily gender equality. Indeed. 
when you mentioned the boards of, of major companies and mm-hmm. having women on those is very important and it's also something that's supported by law. Right. It, how does that relate to the current fisheries thing? How does it like, relate? It, it, what can how the many law women do? Were, were at South no, no, I don't. Yeah, but I mean, what can the law do right. to, to, to force the hand of business in this case well, and it, make things it, better? It just goes back to transparency. It's you know, and I, I think, you know, the the first question was, uh, you know, you, when you opened up about having someone from the outside look in, and that's what we need to do. We need someone to look in and say, okay, where are we missing? What needs to be more transparent? Mm-hmm. With uh, with gender equality, we've done that by, as you say, changing legislation. That now you get this, you get this certificate. They go in and they, and though. So, the, the the beauty of this, um, as it's called, the, the equality certificate, is that um, companies are forced to go inside and open up the books and genuinely look at things. Mm. And uh, when we were working with the bill in Parliament, um, the people who had experience, they said, you, you know, maybe we didn't find extreme discrepancies, but where we found them, we were forced to ask ourselves, why is this here? You know, say we didn't realize it was here, and what can we do to change this? And I think we need to apply the same thing. We need to we need to look at the legislation we have and how it works. I, I read um, uh, a minister had said this weekend. You know, the quota carry system that we have is uh, designed to be sustainable. It's not designed for only some to have the power and to get away with these kind of things. Well, something's gone wrong. Somewhere transparency isn't good enough, and we need to look in and we need to say, how did that happen? Mm. And I think what we'll find is we'll find some safeguarding somewhere within political alliances. The um, the president of Namibia, uh, the head of the investigative police force in Namibia, plus a whole swathe of the opposition parties in Iceland are calling for an international, oh, sorry, for a, for a completely impartial, possibly international investigation mm-hmm. into what happened. We haven't heard much about that from the government so far. Do you think no. that's a possibility? Will it happen? Um, I th- of course, it's a possibility. Um, I think what has to happen is the public has to make sure that it becomes a reality because there's a difference between the two and that it does have to be independent. It, uh, so far, I mean, the first news that came out is that the, the first uh, investigators that it would go to, the, the head of that is the former minister in the same party as the fishing minister is that we have now and uh, connections. We just We just need to rid ourselves of connections, ties, histories and let someone independently say what's going on how can we make this better Mm. i mean it's a small country connections Mm -hmm. are kind of inevitable and they're not necessarily a sign of corruption or anything no not necessarily i mean i was just at a conference on sustainable integration and uh it it was really interesting i met a a woman from one of the ministries in, in norway and she knew two people in iceland and ended up, I know those two people very well as well. One of them was a father in my school and the other runs runs an immigration um, department that I work closely with. So, of course, connections are, are um, you know, mm. it's inherent. It's like, what is it they say, six degrees of separation? I think in Iceland it could be two to three. Mm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you use those connections to your advantage. No. And to the disadvantage of others. And and that's sort of what we see with Samharia. We've fallen into the plot where there are hundreds and millions of dollars or kroners or however you want to put them that aren't going where they should go. Mm. It's interesting. I haven't, this wasn't in the script, but there's an interesting link there between um, Scully Morganson, the former head of Huawei, is yeah. trying to get the, get the chief liquidator sacked mm-hmm. over 
personal connections. He says that the <laughs> the the lawyer for Michelle Ballerin, who's trying to resurrect Huawei, shares a building with this chief liquidator, and they share certain facilities, possibly toilets and right. whatever, and that they had declared that there was no connection. And he says that is a connection. And he's taken it to court. Right. I mean, this is the same thing, isn't it? it what, is. How much of a connection is too much of a connection? Well, that's, I mean, you, that's just it. I think what, what happens is we end up uh, running into a wall where we have to define that. We have to define that. And it, it all comes back to ethics. Mm. And, you know, one of the topics to discuss today is, is about uh, the cloisters bar. And that just goes back to ethics. And, I mean, if we look at what's happening politically just around the world, we're, we're, we see that there's, there's an ethical and a leadership dilemma. And and that's what Sam here. That's what it tells us. It tells us that you know, just stop defending it. Fix it. Fix it. Talk about what what our where our morals are and and where we want to go as a society. You know, I I sometimes can be a little bit unrealistic, and I just sort of believe that Iceland is a country that could literally be a utopia if we wanted to. We could be sustainable at so many levels. We're highly educated country. We have, um, you know, there are lots of ambitions. There's a certain, uh, what do you want to say, um, liberal feeling with a conservative, um, uh, what do you want to say, core, mm. where we would, you know, maybe which would you would hope would lead us to be sensible. Um, and, and, and we've created all sorts of systems, healthcare systems and education systems, and and we have this um, Scandinavian welfare model that we work on that's built on, on values, shared values. I think we're the only country in the world without an army. One you of know, them. We, we, we just, we could do so many things right, but if we can't get the ethical side of things right, then things like gender equality... They maybe never will be 100% equal. Uh, when it comes to this transparency in our business, it won't be there. And it's just something we really need to think about. Mm. I guess certain people benefit from quietly doing nothing, and it's certainly easier. Yeah. And that's where we've been for years. You know, when we spoke about Me Too, women of foreign origin... I was uh, very adamant about having in our statement saying that the people who look away are just as guilty as the people who do the abuse. The people who let things happen in the, the darkness of night, as it's called, let things happen and they just don't act or don't speak, they're just as guilty. And I, you know, I think the, the person of the year this year should be on the cover of Time, should be the whistleblower in the United States. Just stand up mm. and, and speak your mind, speak your heart. Bring ethics back to the front of every debate. This is a really good segue into the cloister thing that you just mentioned yeah. anyway. Um, that was a year ago. Yeah. What's changed? What hasn't changed? A lot hasn't changed. Yeah, unfortunately, a lot hasn't changed. And uh, one of the things that's, uh, I mean, that has changed, that really disappoints me, is to see the party who sat there and did that. They're rising in the polls. This this just happened. People were outraged. They thought it was disgusting. They thought there was no. It was just. It's not something we wanted. It's not something we could be proud of. But we're going to support the very people who did that and try to turn it around, turn it around to their own favor. Oh, it it just saddens me, and it worries me, because we're not that long into elections. Mm -hmm. How 
how can this be continued to turn into their favour? And um, how can it? Do you have any insight into that? Is it something <laughs> that they've done? Are they are they just? It seems. I mean, they're. A, this is the centre party we're mm-hmm. talking about. They're they're yes. quite a populist party, right? Um, and and that appeals to people. Some mm-hmm. people. Um, it, I wonder if their current success has got anything at all to do with Playstation. Well, you you know what I wonder. There's a um, there's a you know huge all over social media this week. It's Sasha Baron Cohen mm. and what he said about Facebook, and it plays right into if we if we take the spirit of what this is, you know, or or, or the old what is it? Uh, any press is good press, you know, <laughs> this this sort of thing. Um, what happens there is a, a lot of attention mm. is drawn to this party. And it allowed them to draw a lot of attention from maybe people who were maybe looking away from the political debate. They were tired of this or that or allowed uh, this opened up for more polarization in in certain things Um, to turn it around as to, you know, firstly to say that Baura, the woman who recorded them, was some sort of spy or something like this. I mean, it's just crazy talk. It's just Trumpism. And that's sort of what's happening. feels to me like this party is using the methodology that was used to get Brexit, to get uh, Trump to where he is, and they'll use it to get their favor. Not necessarily that they've um, done anything to change what they're thinking about, that, you know, their views have changed. And, I mean, at the very least, it was unfortunate that uh, their personal views were set forward in, in such a public manner. But... Um, Truth be told, go right back to that ethics thing. Who do we want to trust our vote to? Mm. Do you want someone representing you who has these ideas? That thinks that this is all right? Will they look the other way the next time there's a Samheria issue? Well, if they do, then they've got those people's votes. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Maybe that's the object. I don't know. but There's a lot of people that say that the reaction to certain things like like Closted was was too strong and the people are too easily offended these days. Mm-hmm. You hear that from the yeah. from the from the right quite a lot. You can't say anything anymore. Exactly. <laughs> so where where's the middle ground? Is it that that in itself isn't helpful? People no. people sometimes are too offended these days yeah. about certain things. You know, I I listened to um I've actually listened to it three times now. A wonderful podcast on um uh, NPH um, in America, and it was about empathy. It was about where has empathy gone? Empathy doesn't necessarily mean that we feel sorry for anyone. It means that we can agree to disagree. When you look at it, in the we, we can agree to listen to someone else. And um, just recently, I had a conversation. Exactly, you can't say anything anymore. Why are they changing Christmas songs? And I said, Well, let's think about, you know, where the debate starts and and the the. Um, Oh, now I told you I'd do this. I forgot my English word for it. And the <laughs> privilege. The privilege, yeah. <laughs> uh, the privilege. Who wrote the songs and whose voice wasn't there? Who had to listen to the songs and say, oh, are they talking about me? Is that me? You know, this morning, me hearing someone say, oh, the Polish one. Mm. Oh, is that, are you talking about me? Is that me? Um, so what's happened is the people who are the, are you talking about me? You know, they sort of have a platform. And they're looking for empathy. They're not necessarily saying you can't have an opinion. They're just saying, let's talk about your opinion with me in mind. 
don't think of me just as, you know, and I, I don't know what anyone, I honestly don't have any opinions about Polish people, but what is a, this Polish one? You know, mm. what, uh, so the debate there and the, oh, I've kind of gone full circle, but if we bring it back to empathy, if we work with empathy, then it means I learn to walk in your shoes. I don't necessarily have to like it, but I'll learn something while I'm there. And what I learn, it will help to change my behaviors. Because that's sort of where it happens when you stereotype and you you fall into these polarized debates. You decide that what's on the other side of the of the polar, it's no good. But you don't really know. You really don't know. You know, a feminist doesn't necessarily know what happens in a chauvinist's shoes unless they go over there and hang out for a while and maybe find out it's not so good to be a man. And he's developed these walls and he says these things because he's not happy himself. And the same happens the other side. The so. two the two sides of politics have got a lot of anger and misunderstanding towards each other. There's, mm -hmm. there's a whole swathe of parties in the middle of them that perhaps don't make as much noise because they're not as angry mm -hmm. and maybe... That's diminishing their success in the polls at the moment. Well, uh, look at my party that no longer exists. We were sort of there. People wanted us to make a stance. People wanted us to be the left. People wanted us to be the right. We were very much right down the middle. I mean, I'm that way. There are certain things where I have very, very liberal views when it comes to equality and, and whatnot. But when it comes maybe to health care, I might have a little bit more, well, I do have a little bit more of a, right-sided view of, of how we could make it better through business. That sounds crazy. I probably just <laughs> ruined any chances I have of politics in Iceland. But um, but it is, it's it's the combination of that. It's understanding the needs on both sides. And, and our party, when we were, when we went into, before we went into the collaboration, we were seen as being very leftist. Mm. When we weren't necessarily saying we were very leftist, we were saying we wanted something more fair. And, uh, and then we were beat up right away, fall, fell down in the polls, saying we were rightists because we decided to work with the people from the right. When and your all, party we, was bright future. Yeah. Mm. We only just wanted to pull things back to the middle, where common sense and ethics live. <laughs> what about Parliament? You've got an inside view of Parliament. Um, with regard to what happened a year ago, mm -hmm. um, is it, from what you know, a nicer place to work today than it was then because of this? I don't really see that it is. You see the you see the debates. You see what happened with uh, um, Thoril de Sunne from the Pirate Party. She, you know, for speaking her mind in the opposite <laughs> direction, she was accused of uh, breaking ethics codes of ethics. I don't. I don't. I mean, in and of itself, working in Parliament wasn't um, people. There are people just like you and I, and those conversations happen. But what happens in the room under the cameras and the debates and the things that happen outside, mm -hmm. I don't know that they've changed. I mean, you see, in my opinion, with this Samheria thing, I think that there's been, if we learned anything from, from Baurat, that we do need to open up and be use ethics as our, as our pole to make it through these things. And there's just too little said about it. Okay. Well, we are rapidly running out of time, so maybe mm. we can go with one more topic. Okay. Oh, that's tough. It is tough. <laughs> we've got the drugs, we've got the carbon sequestration, we've got the football, um, and obviously a couple more political mm. stories as well, the protest on Saturday. and. Uh, 
Well, the top protest ties just right in into Sam Hedia. People want... <laughs> it's linked to it, isn't it? It is. I mean, yeah. People want to come to a core where we have sort of reasoning and, and debate. And, and uh, the big thing is, you know, that constitution, that constitution that almost 70% of the population voted for in 2012, and it lays undone. The other side, of course, they say that over 70% of the voters, mm. not the population, because it was a very low turnout. Right. Um, but nevertheless, it had a mandate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where's the interest in stopping that from happening? You know, I've I've heard different things. I know one of the things is uh, there's a. It goes back to the European Union debate. Mm. People people worry that if we open up certain freedoms that are within this uh, constitution, that uh, we'll open up too far and we'll lose certain self-governing things. But all it really does is it opens up for further democracy where self-governing goes more to the hands of the people. So we don't have to question the integrity and honesty of our um, fishing minister. Of course, there's a debate about that as well. Like how much democracy is too much democracy? Because populism, the meaning of the word, is like what is popular among the people. And right. It, that isn't necessarily the best way to stand up for minority rights, for example, right. if it was all direct democracy. Mm-hmm. So there has to be a balance there. There always has to be a balance. And I just don't wonder if we if we don't open up a, a system to where more voices take space in the debate than that middle ground that we were talking about, that where political parties and where people, they just don't take part in the debate. I mean, my husband, he refuses to speak about politics in the home just because he worries that it'll go polarized. If we speak about equality, then I'm going to go all the way to the left, whereas his heart is maybe a little more to the right. Well, it's not necessarily there, but it's just the debate is so polarized that people don't take part. If we open up democracy, maybe we'll see, and we have that ethical, I'm just going to keep going back to that, you know, part of it, and we use empathy. Maybe we'll find that through genuine debate and opening up certain freedoms, we'll have more voices, we'll have better voter turnouts. People will say, well, my vote does matter. Because the truth of the matter is, in most of the elections where we've swung from left to right, the votes that have the most bearing are the ones that didn't show up. Mm -hmm. United States, very good example. Brexit. Mm -hmm. Few more had shown up. It might have swung the other way. I, you know, so so that's what I, that's my core belief. That if we open it up more and have more genuine, and which I believe, the Constitution that we voted for in two thousand and twelve that does that. I mean, Iceland, by European standards, does have quite good uh, voter, voter engagement anyway. Yeah, but uh, it could always be more, couldn't it? Always. Yeah. <laughs> Could always be more. We should we should strive for one hundred percent. Always, always, always. Mm. And that that means increasing the value of that vote. And there are things in the new curriculum and the new curriculum. The teacher speaking here, <laughs> the constitution that do that. They open it up for us to have more often votes for the people to decide mm. issues when they stall in parliament. Uh, there are clauses that that have to do articles that have to do with with us being able to implement into, tell the politicians, let's do this. Like right now, I'd love to put something with ethics in there. How much influence do you think um, the people, for example, by protesting on Saturday, will have on this process? And also, what probability do you put on the Constitution being implemented? It's not going to happen in this this, uh, term, that's for sure. Um, 
I think we'll just have to see what happens next. We're going to have to see. We're going to have to poll. We're going to have to see. And, and the people who are, are, are fighting most, uh, especially the Constitution Society and the people who believe that we need change, they just have to keep their voices lifted and they have to keep asking questions. And our media has to keep going after these stories. We have to see and understand what's really happening in order for us to genuinely want change. Because, you know, we do have things pretty good here in Iceland in compared to a lot of countries in the world. Mm. And it's pretty safe for us to say, well, maybe we don't have to change things. Maybe we shouldn't take a risk. Like I had said, you know, there's a liberal need for continuing to develop and, and for Iceland to be hip and cool and whatever. But then there's that conservative core where I find it lots of times in my jobs. Oh, it's a great idea, Nicole. But then when it comes to doing it, ah, maybe we should not do this or maybe we shouldn't do that. And because there's a lot of safety in not changing. Indeed, I think that's possibly a good place to finish. It's kind of been the theme of the show that we've been talking about today. That there is this resistance. Yeah. Well, uh, sincere thanks to my guest uh, Nicole Lee Mosty, and also to Anna Sigelson for running the studio. The week in Iceland will return to roof.is forward slash English, Roof English on Facebook, to the Roof app, and as a podcast, including on Spotify, next Monday, the second of December. And we end the programme with a piece of Icelandica, uh, which is a piece of music, new or old, that is culturally significant for one reason or another. Last week, if you might remember, we heard a party classic from Jeff Who. And this week it's the much mellower sound of Visur Vassendrosu, which is, in English, verses of Rosa by Vassendi. It's a traditional Icelandic song based on a poem written by Rosa Gvumundsdottir, who lived from 1795 to 1855, and the melody is a traditional lullaby set in 1960 by Jón Ásgeirsson, who was born in 1928. This version was sung by none other than Björk herself. Bye for now. <laughs> <laughs>